Good afternoon. Oh, well, welcome, welcome back to Five Go Off in a Caravan. And we are on chapter 13. Chapter 13 already. Well, chapter 13 is called Julian Thinks of a Plan. And if you remember from yesterday, oh my goodness, um, there was poisoned meat meant for Timmy. Luckily, Timmy was too good to eat it. Anyway, here goes on chapter 13. George was trembling. Her legs felt as if they wouldn't hold her up and she sank down on the ledge. She put her arms around Timmy. Oh, Timmy, that meat was meant for you. Oh, thank goodness, thank goodness you were clever enough not to touch it. Oh, Timmy, you might have been poisoned. Timmy licked his mistress soberly. The others stood around staring, not knowing what to think. Poor Barker. Would he die? Oh, my goodness, suppose it had been old Timmy. They had left him all alone and he might have eaten the meat and died. I'll never, never leave you up here again alone, said George. Who threw him the poisoned meat, do you think? Asked Anne in a small voice. Who do you think? said George in a hard, scornful voice. Lou and Tiger Dan. Well, they want to get us away from here, that's plain, said Dick. But again, why? What can there be about this place that makes the men want to get rid of us all, wondered Julian. They're real rogues. Poor Nobby, he must have an awful life with them. And now they've gone and poisoned his dog. Nobody felt like eating very much that evening. Anne got out the bread and butter and a pot of jam. George just wouldn't eat anything. What a horrid end to a lovely day. They all went to bed early and nobody objected when Julian said he was going to lock both the caravans. Oh, not that I think either Lou or Dan will be up here tonight, he said, but you never know. Whether they came or not, the children didn't know. For although Timmy began to bark loudly in the middle of the night and scraped frantically at the shut door of George's caravan, there was nothing to be seen or heard when Julian opened his door and flashed on his torch. Timmy didn't bark any more. He lay quite quietly sleeping with one ear cocked. (sighs) Julian lay in bed and thought hard. Probably Lou and Dan had come creeping up in the dark, hoping that Timmy had taken the meat and been poisoned. But when they heard him bark, they knew he was all right and they must have gone away again. (sighs) What plan would they make next? There's something behind all this, Julian thought, again and again. But what can it be? Why do they want us out of this particular spot? He couldn't imagine. He fell asleep at last with a vague plan in his mind. He would tell it to the others tomorrow. Perhaps if he could make Lou and Dan think they'd all gone off for the day with Timmy. But really he, Julian, would be left behind in hiding. 
Maybe he could find out something if Lou and Dan came along. Julian fell asleep in the middle of thinking out his plan. <laughs> like the others, he dreamt of elephants squirting him with water, of Pongo chasing the monkeys, of the dogs playing football with excited yaps. And then into the dream came lumps of poisoned meat. Horrid. Anne woke with a jump, having dreamt that someone had put poison into the hard-boiled eggs they were going to eat. She lay trembling in her bunk and called to George in a small voice. George, I've been having an awful dream. George woke up and Timmy stirred and stretched himself. George switched on her torch. Oh, I've been having beastly dreams too, she said. I dreamt that those men were after Timmy. I'll leave my torch on for a bit and we'll talk. I expect that with all the excitement we've had today and the horrid end to it this evening, we're just in the mood for horrid dreams. <clears throat> Still, they are only dreams. Woof, said Timmy and scratched himself. Don't, said George. You shake the whole caravan when you do that. Stop it, Timmy. Timmy stopped. <sighs> he sighed and lay down heavily. He put his head on his paws and looked sleepily at George, as if to say, Oh, put that torch out. I want to go to sleep. The next morning was not so warm and the sky was cloudy. Nobody felt very cheerful because they kept thinking of Nobby and poor Barker. They ate their breakfast almost in silence, and then Anne and George began to stack the plates ready to take them to the spring to rinse. I'll go to the farm this morning, said Julian. You sit on the ledge and take the binoculars, Dick. We'll see if Nobby goes out in his boat and waves. I've an idea that he won't want us down in the camp this morning. If he suspects his Uncle Dan and Lou of putting down the meat that poisoned Barker, he'll probably have had a frightful row with them. He went off to the farm with two empty baskets. Mrs Mackey was ready for him and he bought a further supply of all delicious looking food. <clears throat> Her present this time around was a gorgeous, beautiful looking round ginger cake warm from the oven. Do the circus folk come up here often to buy food? asked Julian as he paid Mrs Mackey. They come sometimes, said Mrs Mackey. I don't mind the women or the children, dirty though they are, and not above taking one of my chickens now and again. But it's the men I can't abide. There were two here last year, messing about in the hills, but my husband had to send off quickly. Julian pricked up his ears. Two men? What were they like? Oh, ugly fellows, said Mrs Mackey, and one had the yellowest teeth I ever saw. Bad-tempered chaps, both of them. They came up here at night and we were afraid our chickens would go. They swore they weren't after our chickens, but what else would they be up here at night for? Oh, I can't imagine, said Julian. He was sure that the two men Mrs Mackey spoke of were Lou and Dan. Why did they wander about in the hills at night? He went off with the food. 
When he got near the camping place, Julian, Dick called to him excitedly. Hey, Julian, come and look through the glasses. Nobby's out in his boat with Pongo and I simply can't make out what it is they're both waving. Julian took the glasses and looked through them. Far down the hill on the surface of the lake floated Nobby's little boat. In it was Nobby and with him was Pongo. Both of them were waving something bright red. Can't see what they're waving, but that doesn't matter, said Julian. The thing is, what they're waving is red, not white. Red for danger. He's warning us. Oh, why didn't I think of that? What an idiot I am, said Dick. Yes, red for danger. What's up, I wonder? <clears throat> well, it's clear we'd better not go down to the camp today, said Julian. And it's also clear that whatever danger there is, is pretty bad, because both he and Pongo are waving red cloths. So, doubly dangerous. <clears throat> oh, Julian, you're jolly sharp, said George, who was listening. You're the only one of us who worked that one out. Double danger. What can it be? Oh, perhaps it means danger down the camp and danger here too, said Julian thoughtfully. Oh, I hope poor old Nobby is all right. Tiger Dan is so jolly beastly to him. I bet he's had a beating or two since last night. Oh, it's a shame, said Dick. Anyway, don't tell Anne we think there's double danger about, said Julian, seeing Anne coming back from the spring. She'll be scared. She was hoping we wouldn't have an adventure these holidays and now we seem to be plunged into the middle of one. Oh, I really think we ought to leave these hills and go on somewhere else. But he only said this half-heartedly because he was burning to solve the curious mystery behind Lou's behaviour and Dan's. The others pounced on him at once. We can't leave. Don't be a coward, Jew. I won't leave and nor will Timmy. Shut up, said Julian. Here comes Anne. They said no more. Julian watched Nobby for a little while longer. Then the boy and the chimpanzee drew into the shore and disappeared. When they were all sitting together on the ledge, <coughs> excuse me, Julian proposed the plan he had been thinking out the night before. I'd like to find out what there is about this place that attracts Lou and Dan, he said. There is something not far from here that makes the men want to get rid of us. Now, suppose we four and Timmy go off down the hill and pass the camp and yell out to Nobby that we're all, all of us, going to the town for the day. And you three do go, but I slip back up the hill. Maybe Lou and Dan will come up here, and if I'm hiding, I shall see what they're up to. So you mean we all four pretend to go to town, but really only three of us go, and you get back and hide, said Dick. Hmm, I see. Well, it is a good idea. And you'll hide somewhere and watch for the men to come, said George. Well, for goodness sake, don't let them see you, Julian. You won't have Timmy, you know. Those men could make mincemeat of you if they wanted to. 
Oh, they'd want to, all right. I know that, said Julian grimly. But you can be sure I'll be jolly well hidden. Well, I don't see why we can't have a good look round anyway and see if we can't find the, the cave or whatever it is the men want to come to, said Dick. If they can find it, we can too. Well, we don't know that it is a cave, said Julian. We haven't any idea at all what attracts the men up here. Mrs Mackey said they were up here last year too and the farmer had to drive them away. They thought the men were after the chickens. Mm, but I don't think so. There's something else in these hills that makes the men want to get us away. Well, let's have a look around, said George, feeling suddenly excited. I've gone all adventurous again. Oh dear, said Anne, but she couldn't help feeling rather thrilled too. They all got up and Timmy followed, wagging his tail. He was pleased that his friends hadn't gone off and left him on guard by himself that morning. We'll all go different ways, said Julian. Up, down and sideways. I'll go up. They separated and went off. George and Timmy together, of course. They hunted in the hillside for possible caves or even for some just some kind of hiding place. Timmy put his head down every rabbit hole and felt very busy indeed. <laughs> After about half an hour, the others heard Julian yelling. They ran back to the caravan, sure that he had found something exciting. But he hadn't. He simply got tired of hunting and decided to give it up. <laughs> he shook his head when they rushed up to him, shouting to know what he had found. Nothing, he said. I'm fed up with looking. There's not a cave anywhere here, I'm sure of that. Anyone else found anything? Not a thing, said everyone in disappointment. So what shall we do now? Put our plan into action, said Julian promptly. Let the men themselves show us what they're after. Off we go, down the hills, and we'll yell out to Nobby that we're off for the day and we'll hope that Lou and Dan will hear us. Well, hopefully he'll find somewhere to hide. But who knows? Oh, well, goodness, I need to go back to bed. I don't know about anything else. <laughs> anyway, um, it's getting more and more exciting now, isn't it? But I hope that Nobby's all right, and I really, really hope that Barker is all right. Maybe we'll find out tomorrow how they both are. Anyway, um, until tomorrow, you make sure that you stay safe. No, I've got it the wrong way around again. You take care and that you stay safe. <laughs> and I'll see you all again tomorrow. So until then, bye. For now.